0: This gospel of the kingdom, whose kingdom? God's kingdom, will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. See, all of us get stuck on the idea, well, everybody has to hear. That's not what it says. It will be preached. And we talked about this last week. By virtue of this nice little contraption we have in our hands, there's not a single person in the world that cannot hear the preaching of the gospel all over the world right now. All over the Folks, I don't know if you get this. All over the world, right now, the gospel is being preached. Every nation, every ear on this planet has the ability to hear the testimony of Christ. And then it says, the end will then come. Well, how come it hasn't come yet?
1: Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with Pastor and Teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the Senior Pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's V-L-C-C-A-Z Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters.
0: We're going to pick up where we left off last week, part two of our message. And I, I, want, you, I want you to open your hearts because I'm going to take you as well as I can through God's Word to show us, that the rapture is even at the door. It's even at the door. The only thing left to happen before the rapture is the rapture. There's nothing left. All the prophecies that are going to happen before the tribulation before the rapture, have been fulfilled. I cannot see a single prophecy not fulfilled. Now let me look at Matthew 24. It's on the screen. But do this. Open your Bibles and follow these things in your Bible. You say, well, Pastor, I don't bring my Bible to church. I bring my electronic thing to church. (laughs) That's wonderful. But get your Bible too. Yeah, we have Bibles in the back. But get your Bible. And, and write in it and mark in it. In, in Matthew 24, look what it says. This gospel, this gospel, we, we, we look at it, we, we take the one place where it says it's called the good news. You know what the word gospel literally means? The great declaration. That makes it a little gooder than good news. Now, I know that's not good English, but that's good preaching. This gospel, say this gospel, this gospel of the kingdom, whose kingdom? God's kingdom, will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. See, all of us get stuck up and say, or stuck on the idea, well, everybody has to hear. That's not what it says. It will be preached. And we talked about this last week by virtue of this nice little contraption we have in our hands, there's not a single person in the world that cannot hear the preaching of the gospel. Can somebody say amen? Amen. All over the world right now, all over the... Folks, I don't know if you get this. All over the world right now, the gospel is being preached. Every nation... Every ear on this planet has the ability to hear the testimony of Christ. And then it says, the end will then come. Well, how come it hasn't come yet? Because God tells us in Second Peter that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Now, let me clarify something. It's not the literal end of the world, but it's the end of the dispensation of grace. What is the end of the dispensation of grace? The grace that came that the church could be saved. The church will be taken out. Right now, the entire world is hearing the gospel. 20 years ago, it wasn't possible. Now it is. Biblically, prophetically, every prophecy Up to the rapture has been. It can literally happen at any time. Literally happen at any time. 2 Thessalonians is on the screen, but do this in your Bibles too. Look at this. Let no one deceive you. Look at somebody and say, don't get deceived. I'm going to take you and help you understand how we are in, literally. I don't know, folks, seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months. Yeah, I, I don't know. Let no one deceive you. For it, it that word it is the day of the Lord, the tribulation period. It will not come unless the apostasy comes first that word apostasy means the great falling away of believers not unbelievers believers believers believing what they never believed has now become believable they have turned away okay look what the scripture says except The apostasy comes first. Some of your Bibles will say the great falling away. Some will say the apostasy. And then the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction or the Antichrist. But look what it says here. But the mystery of lawlessness, what does lawlessness mean? Get your eyes off the screen, off the notes. I want you to look right at me. It literally means an insatiable desire to do what is not right. Look at somebody and say, I've had those desires. Oh, you pious bunch of holy people. I've had those desires. How do they not happen? I crucify this flesh. I deny this flesh. I nail this. And people say, well, Pastor, how often do I have to do it? Every day. Every time it rises up, you knock it down. Well, how do I do that? By lifting up Christ and casting down lies. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Then the lawless one will be revealed. Who is the he? Well, for years and years and years, I used to say, well, that can't be the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the only way that people get saved. Listen to me. I was in uh, our Bible class a a few months ago, and somebody asked me the question, Pastor, Are you sure it's not the Holy Spirit to which I answered? No, I'm not quite sure. I think I'm sure. And so you know what I do? You mean, Pastor, you don't know every answer? I just know where they're all at. You know what I did? I went into God's Word. And I started studying through, okay, God, can the Holy Spirit be taken out And people still get saved because the Bible says the Holy Spirit is who draws us. And God said, look at the passage a little closer. He is taken out of the way. He's not taken out of the world. He is called the restrainer. His restraint is taken out. And God is giving people what that insatiable desire requires. Folks, this is scary. You mean God's gonna allow me? If I want to play church, He's gonna let me? Yep. If I don't want to deny my flesh and crucify my flesh and take up my cross daily, He's gonna let me? Yep. The restraint is just gonna pull back. That is the only way the lawless one can come to power. You say, well, pastor, is that it? Nope. The second part is the church has to be gone. Because we know what the lawless one looks like. We know who he is and what he is going to do. Are you with me so far? Okay, so Titus chapter 1, verse 16. Remember, I'm talking about the church. We're doing this this end time series. Jesus isn't coming back for the world, church. He's coming back for the church. Okay, now listen to me. I know this is hard to swallow, but according to the word of God, the world is already condemned because they've rejected Christ. One amen, and it came from my wife. The world is already condemned because they have rejected Christ. You say, well, Pastor, can they be saved? Yep. All they have to do is turn to Him and accept Him. Okay? They have, they profess they know God. I'm talking about the church, I'm not talking about the world. The world doesn't profess they know God, the church. But they deny Him by their life. say, Pastor, that makes me feel bad. Yeah, because everyone deals with that insatiable desire, that lawlessness. But there is a lawless one who is not going to hold back. He's going to say, if it feels good, do it. He was the progenitor of the Nikes movement. Just do it. Some of you will get that when I get done. It is here that the Antichrist is revealed, the one who offers a peace contract with Israel. We see all the turmoil in the Middle East. There's a rhyme and a reason for it. I'm going to get to it. You see, the peace agreement, I'm in your notes, is coming, and then I have in parentheses, after the Psalm 83 war. Now, the Psalm 83 war, I I think it could happen right before or right after, but I believe that war has to happen for peace to be ushered in. Why? Because Israel is going to kick Muslim hind in. Can I say that, Valerie? Okay, I got it. Okay. The Bible says that God's not going to do it in this war. That's in Ezekiel 38 where God comes in and says, okay, kids, get out of the way. I got this one. But in this one, God says, you're going to take care of it. The IDF is going to uh, take care of a a little problem called the Islamic movement. Are you okay out there? Pastor, is that politically correct? Don't know, don't care. (laughs) Look what it says here. This is going to happen right before or right after the rapture there has to be something uh, chaotic something catastrophic that has to happen for the world to come to a one system to yield itself to one leader right now there's too everybody has too much sovereignty everybody wants to be in control that's why you read the news and say well China's doing this and North Korea's doing this and America's doing this and and the Middle East is doing that are you are you with me this morning okay so something Catastrophic has to happen. And as you've heard me share before, the only thing, nuclear war won't do it, folks. Why? Why is there nuclear war? Because somebody says, I want to be in charge. And when it's all done, millions and billions are going to be destroyed. People are going to still raise up and say, I won. I'm in charge. But when you have multiple hundreds of millions People disappear all at once and some of them are world leaders. (laughs) The end will come only when the leader, according to Daniel 9.27, puts into place a seven-year contract. The book of Isaiah calls it a contract with death and hell. And this contract is going to be for seven years. Seven years equates to 84 months. You split that in half, and that's 42 months, which is exactly three and a half years, or as the Bible says, 1260 days. The Antichrist destroys with a false peace. He creates his false peace, lulls everybody into a sense of this security, then he rises up and shows who he really is three and a half years into the tribulation period. In the book of Revelation we've been teaching this. And one of the statements that I made last week and the week before is the timeline of Revelation is not chronological. Just because you see chapter 1 says this, and chapter 2 says this, and chapter 3 says it doesn't mean that's exactly how it's going to transpire. Are you with me? Okay. And so we were going through this and saw some things in chapter 6 talking about the sixth seal that has been opened and how the enemy is doing all these different things. We just left chapter 5, which ended the four horsemen of Revelation. And I made a statement that it would not surprise me if the white horse is already riding. The white horse represents the Antichrist. Folks, I don't say, thus saith the Lord. I just look at what's happening in the world. And can I tell you something? When I look at the world, I look at the Middle East. I don't look at the rest of the world. I look at what is happening in the Middle East. And I can see that all the inference on world peace rests on one little nation called Israel. It is amazing the entire world thinks they'll have peace if they can just get peace with Israel. Do you know why? Because in our heart of hearts we know we have to get peace with God. So the White horse. Is it right? Folks, don't walk out of here and say, "Well, Pastor Tim says it's riding. Don't know. But I sure look at all the inferences of trying to bring this peace. But there has to be some kind of conflict which I believe is the Psalm 83 war. And I'm going to break that down here in just a few moments. Are you all ready for the ride? Back to 1 Thessalonians. Look at this. Chapter 5. About times and dates, you don't need me to write you. You know very well that the day of the Lord will come as a thief and a knife. When people are saying peace and safety, sudden destruction will come. And then I think the uh, the, uh, 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 analogy is quite interesting. As labor pains upon a pregnant woman. Once those labor pains start, there is no turning back. Some of you ladies missed a place to say amen. As the labor pains of... Folks, if you've noticed in the world, there is such catastrophic events going on right now. It is the church, as I've just said, I don't believe the Holy Spirit is removed, but his restraining force is taken back. He is everywhere always... According to the 139th Psalm, if I go to heaven, he's there. If I go to hell, he's there. It doesn't make the Holy Spirit is always there. I was asked a question the other day. Is God with everybody? The answer is no. He is only with the people that have asked him to be with them. Wherever two or more are in my name. No, that doesn't mean God's not ever. God is everywhere. He's just not moving everywhere. He is only moving where He is asked to move. Okay, this side of the room's getting it, so I'm going to come over here. He is only moving where so if you ask God into, you people sit back and say, "Well, pastor, I'm a Christian. Isn't God moving in my life? I don't know. Are you moving in Him? Are you asking Him to be a part? Remember that great falling away? The day of the Lord's return will not happen except there is an apostasy. And in the church, there's an insatiable desire. I don't want to hear what I'm supposed to hear. I want to hear what I want to hear. Thank God that's not this church. So real quick, number three. How close does it seem? How close does it seem? As the birth pains get closer, the pangs get harder and faster. I can't go into all of the particulars, but all you have to do is just be a little interested in world events to see the chaotic events. I, I was I was. Five o'clock this morning, I'm, I'm going through the news and I'm going through the Bible and I'm, I'm looking at stuff and I'm saying, God, when I was going through the news and doing a, a search, do you know in the last hundred years, not even a hundred years, the catastrophic events of this world have increased over 400%. That's right, that's right. Over 400%. Over four. Romans chapter 8, write it down, it's not in your notes, 20 through 22, says creation itself is groaning as in childbirth. Come on ladies, when that child says it's time to come, I'm not going to draw any pictures, but there's some contortions going on. There's some adjustments going on. There's things, than this. It, 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 that old body of yours, or, oh, excuse me, that young body of yours. I got to. The only place I have to get politically correct, Loria. Yeah, okay. And that young body of yours, you wonder if there's a demon coming. I, you don't know what's going on. And if the husband's there, oh God, have mercy on him. But that body is contorting. That bo- folks, as in child birth, the earth is contorting, straining, convulsing. Because we don't logically see that, we see it as earthquakes typhoons, tsunami, things that the world hasn't done. And the closer the Lord's return, the more frequent with no turning back. So let me take you back to the church. See, pre-trib, mid-trib, pre rab partial, post, pan, you, you pick whatever one you want. But in today's church, widely spread, men are not wanting to hear about what God wants except it soothes their conscience. Unless I leave church feeling on top of the world, God forbid that God rebuked or challenged or confronted or convicted I want to know that what I'm doing, God is okay with. And folks, I can tell you all of that as long as it doesn't contradict God's word. It is not okay to live a homosexual lifestyle. Are you okay? It's not okay to live together in fornication before you're married. Are you okay with that? It's not okay to live a drunken life or a drug addict life or this or that. Now you say, Pastor, you're condemning me. No, I'm not. I'm telling you that God's word wants to set you free. But he can't do it without you. And as long as you have the insatiable desire to convince yourself that the life you're living contrary to God's word is okay, God will say, okay. This is what the apostasy is talking about. How am I doing back there, Ken? Are you with me? You see, ladies and gentlemen, I don't want a single soul in victorious life when the rapture happens. And the only way that I know to do that is I have to tell you what this word says, whether we like it or not. I've told you, if you want to read the Bible in miniature, read the book of Isaiah. Sixty-six chapters, sixty-six books. Sixty-six chapters, sixty-six books in, in uh, Isaiah. Look what it says in Isaiah chapter thirty. Write these words, Isaiah thirty eight through eleven. It's in your sc- notes and it's on the screen. Write these words. Write them in a book. So Isaiah wrote them down. I think it's the irony of it. Do you know the only book of the Bible they have found in continuity, complete order, is the book of Isaiah? Oh, they found parts and pieces and of all the other books, but they found the book of Isaiah one solid scroll. It's on display. We've seen it, Jack, haven't we? We've seen it over in Israel. It's just, just incredible. I wonder if that was coincidence. God said, I know a lot of you won't read the whole Bible, so I'll give you the Bible in minute. Look what it says here. Write it down in a book. They will stand, say these words with me, until the end of time. Time as we know it. Because time was created for us, not for God. As a witness to these people who are stubborn rebels, who refuse to pay attention to the Lord's instructions, speaking of Israel, and grafted in Israel, which is the church. It's interesting. God calls us a bunch of stubborn people. Look at somebody and say, man, God knows me better than I thought. This is what they say. They say to the seers, The seers was another word for prophets. Was another word for the ones that spoke for God, could see visions in the future and stuff. Look what it said. They say to the seers, stop seeing visions. Visions. They tell the prophets, don't tell us what's right. Remember that apostasy. That lawlessness literally means an insatiable desire to do what I want to do, whether it's right or not. Like I said, it doesn't apply to anybody in here. I'm just practicing this sermon. So thank you for letting me just practice with you. Don't tell us what's right. What's the next four words? Tell us us nice things. Well, I don't go to that church because it hurts my feelings. Poor little thing. This is a guy I don't have to worry about doing that, too, because he's in the word of God just as much as I am. Look at this. Look at this. Tell us nice things. Tell us lies. Folks, we're talking about the church. We're not talking about the world. Remember, Jesus isn't coming back for the world. He's coming back to the church. We don't want you to preach the truth anymore. Tell us nice things. Tell us lies. Forget all that gloom. This is why most churches won't preach on Revelation. Most churches won't preach on the rapture. Most churches won't preach on hell. Most churches won't preach on fill in the blank. Anything that challenges us. Tell us nice things. Tell us lies. Forget all the gloom. Get off your narrow path. Hum. Let's see. Wide is the path that leads to destruction. Narrow is the path that leads to heaven. And they're saying, get off your narrow path. Stop telling us about your Holy One. Oh, look at that. Your Holy One. I thought it was our Holy One. Does this sound like Today's agenda? The world? The church? I mean, if we could just turn the music up louder, let's get some lights flashing. You say, Pastor, you're 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 getting after some other churches. I'm just wondering, are we enlightening? Or are we entertaining? Many give lip service to a general God. Why? They have to. They've got to pacify their conscience. They've got to pacify that mechanism that God wrote in the heart of man that knows there's more to life than living and dying. That's why you read the news today, you're seeing very big names who are all of a sudden turning to Christ. I just, I just read recently, an 85-year-old atheist just gave his life to Christ. Propagating atheism his entire life, sternly fighting and standing, and realizes it wasn't the way I thought it was. There have been many people who say, and I, I've been to, to, uh, to Darwin North Australia. I've actually been there. I've been on the Peabody or not on it. I've been by the Peabody uh, uh, Charles Darwin's boat in his museum because that's where he thought because he was close by the Galapagos and he was, I don't know, Galapagos, what's those islands up there? Is that Galapagos up there? Thank you. He was close by where he thought, oh yeah, yeah, that's right, the uh, finches and all that stuff. He was close by and he wanted to be close by his proof. But on his deathbed, and I've, heard, I've read this many, many times. Yes, I've, I've read the other side of it, too. But the people that I was there with in Darwin, Australia, said it's true. On his deathbed, he said, I threw out some queries. And it took hold like wildfire. But I know that Jesus is the only hope. I wasn't there when he died, folks. But I know that once the insatiable desire to believe something false is out there, it's hard. The problem with deception, it's deceptive. And you know why it's deceptive? Now listen to this very carefully. It's usually what we want. It's usually what we want. I want to know that God's okay with my lifestyle. I mean, God, he wants me to have fun. Isn't it all about love? Yeah. God's love. Am I making any sense? A general God to pacify their conscience. When it comes down to the doctrines of Christ, they want to Eliminate it. When it comes down to end time judgment, they want to eliminate it. They don't want to hear it. Yet many today are consumed with fear. Anxiety medicine is the number one medication being sold in America today. You know why? I found it in the Bible. Luke chapter 21, verse 26. Men's hearts are failing them for the fear and looking at the things that are coming on the earth because everything is being shaken. Scary? Pastor, this can you say something nice? Jesus is on the throne and the devil is defeated. Amen. And we just got to stand there. We just got to stand victorious. Natural disasters, 400% increase. It's actually 432%, but I thought 400 was a round number. Catastrophic events operating worldwide. There is more Christian martyrdom in the world today than since the beginning of time what? They don't preach on that or they don't uh, report on that. Earthquakes, plagues, wars, weather, lawlessness all point to the end of times. You say, well, pastor, haven't all those things been happening? I'm glad you asked. Matthew 24. Let's go into this. Now I'm going to go very quickly because I've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. Matthew 24. Look at this. Now learn the lesson from the fig tree. The fig tree always represents Israel. When Jesus rebuked the fig tree and cursed it, it was a picture that Israel, if you don't want to do right, fine. You're on your own. God produces the fig tree to produce figs. Israel is supposed to Worship God. The church is supposed to worship God. When we choose not to, God, being the gentleman he is, says, okay. When its branches bud, its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. When Israel is reformed, I'm translating the verse, and it's city, nation, begins to prosper. You will know my return is soon. God promised Israel would prosper. In the same way, when you see all these things, you know the return is very near, even right at the door. Now I want you to open your Bibles, because I want to take you to another passage that records that. Same thing in the book of Luke. Luke chapter uh, 21. It's not in your notes, so write it down, folks. It records the same thing. Now I usually use use New King James when I'm preaching. On the screens I'll use lots of different translations and stuff, but the Bible that I use majority of the time is the New King James, okay? Uh, the passage that I just read, uh, Men's Hearts Failing with the New King James version. Matthew 24 was the New Living Translation in your notes. And I'll generally mark it because I want you to know what translation I'm using, okay? And you say, Pastor, why do you use different translations? Sometimes it's just easier to understand, okay? And so uh, I stay away from a lot of different translations, and that's another sermon for another time. But look what it says here in Luke chapter 21. Start with verse 29. And he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are ready, budding, you see and know that yourselves, that the summer is now near. Okay? That the fruit that was promised... That the return of the labors that you've labored for, you worked for, it is soon going to be coming to you. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. We're talking prophetically about Israel being a a nation once again. And the scriptures tell us, in an hour a nation is born. Well, that's what happened at the treaty of 1948, where they signed into nationhood Israel. In one hour, a nation was born. It's never happened before, never happened since. But prophecy, 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 all being fulfilled. Let Let me continue this, okay? Verse 29, assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away until all these things have taken place. Now, there's been a lot of different controversy on how long is a generation. I'm not here to settle that controversy. But the reality is the Bible says that it will not. The ones that see this take place. We're talking about Israel become a nation. We saw it. You say, well, pastor, I wasn't there in 1948. Well, Israel actually became a nation in 1967 because a nation has to have a capital. And in 1967 Jerusalem became the capital of Israel again. It was always the city of David. Always the city of God. Well, it was taken back in a miraculous event called the Six Day War. Think about it. A few million not even a million, a few hundred thousand Israelis and multiplied millions of the Islamic nation against them. And in six days Israel did it. Coincidence? How are we doing so far? When you see all these things Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. Now we go into the part that grabs me every time. But take heed to yourselves. Who's he talking to? The church. He's not talking to the world. Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts, that place of your living says it's okay to be drunken, Carousing, cares of life catching up and, and controlling you. And that and that day come on you unexpectedly. Israel's become a nation. It's coming back to the place God said it to be, and he said, Guys, I'm coming quick. You better live for me. That day is going to happen unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the earth. He said, for the rest of the world, it's going to come as a snare. It's going to be a, a tumultuous time. It's going to be a horrific thing. If you've ever done any any, any hunting of birds and, and fowl and things like that, you set a snare out for them. Or even some uh, uh, animals like foxes and, and, and lions and, and so on and so forth here in the country, uh, bobcat and stuff, you set a snare for them. It's a horrific thing. I, I, don't, I don't ever say that that's a thing to do. But that is a way that you catch varmints. That's a way that you deal with some of the, the different things. God says it's going to come on the earth as a snare to everyone on the face of the earth. And then he tells us, watch and pray always that you might be counted worthy. To escape you mean I, I, I'm not going to escape just because I prayed the right prayer if you live the right life, yeah now P, now, folks, please I, I've used this analogy and it's kind of a crude analogy but it's, it's a real analogy. Our relationship with Christ is just like a relationship with a spouse. if I, if I come home to my beautiful wife and all of a sudden I got another girl in tow. Pastor Ray, you think she's going to let me in the door? No. She's going to sit back and say, who's this? Well, you know, honey, I, I just, I just, you know, I just, I really, I, I want to live this life and I want to enjoy. It. But you're a Christian. Yeah, but God understands it's the love in my heart. Folks, it's God's way or the highway. Okay, let me take you back to the scriptures on the screen. Revelation chapter 3. This is the church of Philadelphia that he's talking to. Because you've kept my command to persevere, I'll also keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the world. The church of Philadelphia was the last church before the infamous church of Laodicea. The Laodicean church was the lukewarm church. They played church, but they didn't live church. Okay? So the Laodicean church, or the Philadelphia church, the church of brotherly love, they were saying, hey, I want to live for you, God. I want to get my heart right. And God tells them, repent. God says, get your act together. You better start living for me. And he said, because you have persevered. I'm going to keep you from the hour of trial. And then the interesting thing, immediately he goes into the apostatic, the apostate church, the church of Laodicea. 1 Thessalonians 1.6, look at this. God plans on getting us out of here before the, rapture, before the tribulation. Look at this. You became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. You turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, who even Jesus delivers us from what? The wrath to come. Many uh, Romans chapter 5 verse 9 look at this much more than being justified by his blood we will be saved from the wrath of God through him. Many Bible scholars believe that the rapture will occur prior to the tribulation or what we consider the pre-trib rapture. Thus, God will spare his church from the persecution that is going to come on the world through the hands of the Antichrist and the outpouring of God's wrath through the seal judgments that we're about to get to on Wednesday night as we're going through the book of Revelation during the end times. Those coming to Christ after After the rapture, we'll become martyrs. The Bible says they will be martyrs if they genuinely live for God. They will be... (laughs) Okay, some of y'all don't know. I've always said genuine, genuine. I've always said that. Okay. And I'm working really hard because I've had several of y'all say, it's not genuine, it's genuine. So I'm, trying, I'm working on it. I really am working on it. So let me take you. Let me take you. Let me take you to biblical evidence, I believe, without equivocation that shows the pre-trib rapture. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, the scripture records come up hither. In 1 Corinthians 15, 52, it says in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump of God. Everywhere you see the rapture, you see the trumpet. Everywhere you see the rapture, you see the trumpet. Revelation gives proof. I believe that the church is going out before the tribulation. John the revelator reveals what is yet to come. In Revelation 1 he starts expounding. He sees Christ and he starts understanding that he is supposed to write to the seven churches which most Bible scholars believe represent the seven church ages. We'll talk about the the different things and I could take you through them all but for sake of time I can't right now. The seven churches of Asia are addressed and the irony is it concludes with the apostate church or the church of Laodicea. Now when you're reading about the apostate church. Let me take you into Revelation chapter 3, verse 21, all the way through chapter 4 of verse 4. Okay? Now I'm going to break this down so you have to follow with me, okay? To him who overcomes, he's talking to the Laodicean church. He said, You're lukewarm, and because you're not hot and you're not cold, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Many Bible scholars that I have read over the years, and I lean this way itself because there's no such thing as a lukewarm Christian. Christian means Christ-like, and there was nothing lukewarm about Jesus, folks. Okay, so you're either hot or you're cold. In other words, you're either bold or whimpering. You're either dining or you're whining. Now think about it for a second here. So because you are lukewarm, I'm going to spew you what comes after Revelation 3.21. Revelation 4.1. The beginning countdown to the tribulation. Many scholars believe that his spewing said, fine, you want the world? I'm giving you the world. And we have lots of scriptures we could talk about. But look, to he who overcomes, he's talking to them. He said, guys, you can still repent. You don't have to play church. You can be church. The difference is you're only one here. The other is everywhere. Your life is the same at church or away from church. So he says, To he who overcomes, I'll give the right to sit. To sit means you have become victorious. It's over. It's done. You've won. No one sits down until the battle is over. That's why in in wars you see on TV uh, of Rome and so on and so forth, the commander is usually standing. One of the reasons that they got up on the horses and they stand On the horses, they're above everybody, is that the soldiers can see them. When they can see the the conqueror, they can see the king, they can see the commander, then they have fire in them. Yes, I can do it. He's still out here with us. That was one of the reasons David fell. He was supposed to be out in battle with his people, yet he was on a rooftop taking pictures. That's another thing you'll get when you leave here. You have the right to sit on my throne just as I overcame and sat down. Just as I overcame and sat down. See the Bible says he became a son because of the things he suffered. What does that mean? you mean he wasn't always God's son? Yes he was. But the reason he became victorious is he said not my will but thy will. The reason you will be victorious as a Christian, you'll stand up and say come hell or high water, I'm going to live for God. Set down on my father's throne. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door. Circle that word in your notes. A door. Every time there's a reference to the door, to a door, it's referring to Jesus. When you go through scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, remember the first door? It was a great door on the side of a great boat called the Ark. And you know what God says? When it was done, and the eight, eight is the number of new beginnings. When the eight of Noah's family was inside, God closed the door. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a door that John said, I saw in heaven. And God is fixing to close that door. That door is Jesus. After this, I looked before me was a door standing open. He said, come unto me, all oh, you the labor and the heavy laden. I'll give you rest. He said, come, narrow is the way. That word way is translated from the same word that says narrow is the door. The gate, the way. Before me was a door standing wide open and the voice I first heard speaking to me. Who was the first voice he heard speaking to to him? It was Jesus. He said the first voice I heard speak to me was like a... In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. Jesus one day is going to say, come up. Come up. And what's the next thing that happens? Go ahead, Jeff. I will show you what's going to take place after this. We're going to watch the tribulation from the balconies of heaven. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know if we're going to actually watch. I, I don't know folks, but I'm going to show you what's going to take place after this. At once, I was in the spirit. At once, I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it but this is what i want you to grab surrounding the throne was 24 other thrones seated on them were the 24 elders dressed in white and had crowns of gold these are the pictures of fulfillment and accomplishment you know why they're sitting because it's done The fulfillment is we're home. My wife was showing me a video that's making its way through YouTube right now or someplace online, Facebook someplace. And this video is of a pastor that, that God gave him a glimpse of heaven. And one of the things that he saw in heaven was a great stable with literally a myriad of horses. Many of them had riders, but most had none. None. But there was one rider out in front, the general, the commander. And on his side was written, Faithful and true. He's already saddled in this man's vision. There was others around him already saddled. And all of a sudden, the pastor that saw the vision asked, Where? Where are the other riders? All the horses don't have riders. And the angel said, They're on their way. They're coming soon. I'm looking for that horse, folks. Let me, I I told you, I just, give me just a few more minutes, please. Where is the church? You see, this picture here, there was a door of invitation. Jesus is the door, John 10 says. The voice that calls sounds like the trumpet, says come up here, is the same picture we see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and 1 Corinthians 15. The reason we know John is in heaven is because the 24 elders and the 24 thrones, 12 is the number of government. 12 old elders from the Old Testament, 12 elders from the New Testament or the apostles, the only ones clothed in white robes and crowns of gold are the church. God said, I'm going to give you crowns of gold with emeralds and jewels and all kinds of things in representation of the works that we have done for Christ in this earth. After the work was finished, they set. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Now he causes all of us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, to be seated together in glory with him. Where is the church? In heaven. What happens next? We're in it right now. Revelation chapter 6. The tribulation begins. We saw the four horsemen, the white horse, with a false sense of peace who represents the Antichrist, the red horse representing the war that's to come on the earth, the black horse of famine and pestilence, what follows the war, and the pale horse of death and hell, ready to take a fourth of the world's population from this planet in a moment of time. Imminent rapture warning signs. The Psalm 83 Alliance. I have to take you back to the news. I'm not talking about Ezekiel 38, I'm talking about Psalm 83. In Ezekiel 38, that's where Russia, Turkey, and Iraq form an alliance. Have you noticed what's happening in the news right now? Russia, Turkey, and Iraq are forming, not Iraq, Iran, are forming an alliance. Folks, I just got ghost bumps. It's the ghost bumps. That's right. Holy Ghost. I don't get goosebumps. I get ghost bumps. Okay. Look, look at this. The Psalm 83 alliance. The Bible gives the picture in Psalm 83 verses 5 through 8. You hear me talk about it? I want you to go look at it yourself. It talks about the Tents of Eden. These are the alliance. Ten nation alliance. The Tents of Eden represent the Palestinians and the southern Jordanians. The Ishmaelites represent the Saudis who are the the, uh, father of the Arabs. The Moabites represent the Palestinians and the central Jordanians. What I'm telling you is what the Bible talks about. The Bible talks about the tents of Eden and the Ishmaelites and the the Moabites and so on and so forth. Who the heck are these people? So what I did is I went out and took it and put it all together of what they're called today. Okay? So the tents of Eden, uh, uh, Palestine and the southern Jordanians. Okay? Ishmaelites, the Saudis. They're called the Ishmaelites. Okay, They are the progenitors of the Arab people. The Moabites, the Palestinians, and the Central Jordanians. Folks, listen to me. You might say that Jordan and, and, uh, and uh, Saudi Arabia are really not aggressive. They're still Muslims. They will still do what the Koran says to do. And if you're not, folks... Islam is not a religion of peace. Islam's only peace is when every infidel is dead. You convert or die. That's not popular preaching, folks. But I didn't come here to win a popularity contest. So let's continue on. The Hagrites. That is Egypt. Listen to me. Hagar... That's why they're called the Hagrites in the scripture. Hagar is the matriarch of Egypt. Hagar is the matriarch of Egypt. Gabal or bablos that's Hezbollah and the northern Lebanese. That's where the Hezbollah folks are, okay? Uh, Ammon, the Philistines, the uh, Philistinians, and the northern Jordanians. You notice how Jordan's all coming together? Saudis are all coming together? Okay, Amalek, that is the Arabs of the Sinai Peninsula, the Sinai area. Felicia, Hamas of the Gaza Strip. These are the areas, these are the nations they were talking about back then. When you read that in the Psalm 83, now this is what they're talking about. It's interesting, the, the Hebrew uh, word Hamas is the English word Terrorist. Tyre this is Hezbollah again and the southern Lebanese and then the country of Assyria is the Syrians and northern Iraq which is literally all of what used to be called Persia this is the picture of the alliances coming together right now just go watch the news. They're coming together right now, and they're going to assault Israel quickly. They're trying to figure out the best way to do it, and they're sending out all of this stuff. You're going to die, Israel. You're going to get this. And Israel, I love, folks, Okay, political correctness this church is not about, so I hope you're okay with that. I love listening to Netanyahu. Yes. He stands up and says, you and whose mama? Well, he didn't say it like that, because I'm not thinking he could probably say it like that. But he said, okay. Come on. Oh, let me phrase it this way. Go ahead. Make my day. Because Netanyahu knows. He knows the IDF. He knows. Okay, let let me, okay. The, the building of Babylon. This has never happened. We don't hear about it anymore because Saddam Hussein is dead. But do you know the construction of Babylon? They are trying to, to recreate Babylon in the glory of his past, which when we went through the book of Revelation. Folks, you need to come on Wednesday night. We're learning all kinds of stuff. I took everybody all the way back to the original Babylon, which is in Genesis 3, to the last Babylon, which we see in Revelation 19, when God said, it's going to be done. Folks, close your notes. I'm done. Okay. Let me talk to you. Let me talk to you. Actually, I'm not done, but that's all I can do. Let me talk to you. Jesus is coming. I don't pretend to know when. I'm not going to throw a date out here. I don't know. But all I do know is what's happening in the world says it could be any time. Any time. And the reality, if you're for sake of better words, if you're playing church, if you choose to be the five foolish virgins, you look good on the outside, but God's checking out the inside. And when he comes, he's coming unaware, unannounced. And the five that were ready went. And the five that were left behind, now listen to me, listen to me. Listen to me, please. I'm not trying. You say, Pastor, you're just trying to scare us. No, you know, yes and no. (laughs) If I could scare the hell out of you, I'd be fine. Are you the one gone? Are you the one left?
1: Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit VLCCAZ.org. That's VLCCAZ.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.